Uh, next week, we have our uh, Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday. That is the warning, by the way, for all the family members who forgot. You got seven days to figure it out now, all right? Mother's Day is next Sunday. Figure it out. Um, you know, and, if, and if nothing else, we, we have a small gift that the church is going to give to all the moms who are here next Sunday. That is not your gift. From, you know, I don't want all the husbands to be like, oh, yeah, I talked to Pastor Joey and we, you know, we agreed. No, 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 no. It's us. You figure your own stuff out, all right? And so we're really excited about that. And, man, it's such a blessing even now with my kids and, and how much I appreciate and love my wife. She's a rock star. She's unbelievable. And uh, the stuff she has to deal with some sometimes with my kids is hilarious because I don't know if you know this, but kids, uh, they are brutally honest, right? They just, they'll say whatever. You'll be in the middle of a conversation with your friends and your toddler will come up and say, mommy had diarrhea today. And you're just like, whoa. And I mean, it's true, but you shouldn't say it. Actually, the other day, um, Luca was crying and my wife was in the restroom and, and my oldest, my three-year-old, she's very attentive of her little brother. So she comes running over and she's trying to console him. You know, it's okay, it's okay, buddy. And then she looks at me, she's like, Luca's hungry to go get mommy. And I said, do you want to feed him? Now, you know, we're, we're nursing our son. And so I go, do you want to feed him? And she goes, I'm too small. I go, that's right. <laughs> but then I see her look at me. And she goes, yours are big, but they don't have milk. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> my, it'd be your own sometimes, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I saw it coming when she was looking at me. I'm like... Don't say it. Don't. You said it. You said it. Listen, by the way, there's a certain level of laughter you can have for that joke, and then it gets disrespectful. Some of you are, some of you laugh too hard at certain. I, I say all that because, you know, there's a balance, right? Speaking the truth is so important. We try to raise our kids to be honest and to say the, say the truth. And, but but it, there's, there's a, a way to say the truth, right? You can't just, there's this thing sometimes, and a lot of older people have this issue, where somehow we've convinced ourselves that it's, it's a personality trait and it's some virtue that we have. I, you know, Pastor, I just tell it like it is. I just speak truth. If that outfit looks ugly, I'm going to tell you. Right? If, if you can't drive, I'm going to let you know. Like, I just, I just say it. That's, that's how God made me. And then it's like, man, God must have forgot to put the filter on this one. But, but the reality is, yes, we are called to be honest. Yes, we are called to speak truth. But there is a way to do that. And the Bible gives us some instructions on that. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. And in this chapter... Uh, the Apostle Paul has given the church of Ephesus guidelines on unity, which is fitting considering what our women are going through the next uh, four or five day, uh, uh, Fridays. I'm so excited. Such a wonderful turnout, and it looks so much fun. I was in the office with my son just hearing all the laughter and the joy in the other room, and it was really, really great. And so here Paul is talking about all this aspect of unity, and then he goes into it and says, listen, here are some of the results of that. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. No filters, right? We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak truth in love. 
growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now let me go back to verse 15, if you can get that up there, because this is the key part of today's message. Instead, we will speak truth in love. There's a way to say, to say the truth. There's a way to speak truth. And I think uh, as a society, we have an issue with the truth. And the issue isn't necessarily on what we say, especially for believers, because God determines what is true. We, we don't get to decide what's true, what's not true, and that's one of the issues that we're having and why it's so important for you and I to speak truth, because like the scripture is saying in Ephesus, there's a whole world that is trying to teach things that seem true, but aren't. And so it's important for us to be able to speak truth. The problem I find with a lot of Christians is not speaking truth, but it's how they do. And so a lot of times what what you see, especially on social media and and platforms like that, is you see people who stand up for truth in a hurtful and mean way. And they say, well, listen, it's the truth. That's not my fault if the truth hurts you. No, no, it kind of is. Because you can be honest and you can be truthful and not necessarily hurt somebody. You have to be careful. Just berating somebody and chastising somebody with the truth is not helpful. Our issue isn't what truth is. We have an issue with how we deliver the truth. You can be 100% right in what you're saying, but if you say it wrong, no one's going to listen to you. You can be 100% right. I figured that out years in my marriage where I, look, but I'm right. I don't know why she's mad. I'm right. And it's like, yes, you're right. But the way you said it to her, she didn't hear you. All she heard was your tone. All she heard was your anger, your frustration. She didn't hear what you were trying to communicate because she only heard your emotions. We have to be careful, church. We have the truth. By God's grace, he has given us the truth. There's only one truth, and it's God's truth, and we have it. And we're fortunate and lucky to be able to have that. And it's our responsibility to be able to communicate that truth with other believers and non-believers. But if we are not careful... And how we deliver that truth, it will fall on deaf ears. And people will reject the very truth that God died for them to receive. So there's a few thoughts I want you to have as we go through how to speak truth. And the first one is literally just that. How do we do it? And it's laid out in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. Number one is this. We have to speak truth in love. In love. Well, what does that mean? That means how we communicate something to someone has to come from a place of love. Not a place of proving them wrong, not a place of trying to create an argument, not a place of superiority because if I can tell them and convince them they're wrong, then I'm gonna feel better about myself. No, no, we speak truth because we care about this person who is believing a lie. We speak truth because we love this individual and we want them to be able to walk in the same truth that we have the honor and the privilege of walking in. It has to come from a place of love, not a place of anger, not a place of retaliation, not a place of trying to throw it in their face and make them feel dumb. But it's the reality that I love this person so much that I want to be honest with them. I mean, isn't that true? The people who care about you the most are the ones you expect to be the most honest. You expect to tell you the truth. There were times, and my sisters will tell you, when we were growing up, they always had confidence coming up to me and saying, how does this outfit look? And I tell them the truth. That don't match. No, them shoes with that skirt, no, 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 that's ugly. 
your left eyebrow is a little thinner than your right eyebrow. I don't know how we're going to fix that, but it's not, it's not symmetrical. We got to figure this out. Right? And again, between us and privacy in the room, like I wasn't going like, I wasn't taking pictures and posting like, look at how messed up her eyebrows are. Like, we were just having a conversation because there was trust, there's love, because they know I care about them. And the same way, I would go to my sister, especially, my sisters dressed me 97% of the time growing up. And so I would just be like, how does this look? <laughs> You know, I put this on, change that around, change that, oh, okay. You know, and I ain't gonna lie, I'm 38 years old, I still call them up every now and then, what well, do you think? <laughs> oh, I like that, okay, thank you. <laughs> By the way, this has nothing to do with anything, but there were holidays where me and both my brother-in-laws all came with the same sweater on. <laughs> we just, my sisters all got together, shopped at the same place, and all of us were at the dinner table like, it looks good on you too. <laughs> That's where it all started, by the way. They all went to Kohl's together. Listen, Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 reminds us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. When you speak truth to someone, it's meant to be for their benefit, not your benefit. It's meant to be for them to grow. It's meant to be to, to benefit their lives. That's why it says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. A lot of times when we hear unwholesome talk, we kind of just think don't swear, which by the way, you probably shouldn't, okay? Don't do that either. But unwholesome means to be whole and to try to break that wholeness, right? It's, it, he just finished talking about uh, unity for the last 14 chapters. So now what he's talking is saying, listen, sometimes what your truth is when you speak, it might be accurate, but it's divisive in how you say it. It's hurting somebody. It's making them not ever want to come back to the church. It's making them never want to come back to you, to God. Like it is hurtful in the way that you've said it. You might be right, but maybe you shouldn't have said that the way you said it. This is where we have to be careful in how we communicate God's truth. Unwholesome talk is any talk that would cause destruction or division. Listen, it's getting warmer right now. Thank you, Jesus. It looks like we're out of the third winter, hopefully, but maybe I jinxed it, who knows. Like, I'm just hoping we're at that place, right? Listen, there may be uh, some young lady on Friday night at our sisterhood gathering that shows up with, with an outfit that you deem inappropriate. And you feel that it's your responsibility as, a, as an elder lady to come up to this young lady and tell her your outfit is disrespectful, you look like a such and such, and, and boys are gonna think this and that, and you're gonna say all these hurtful things to this young lady who maybe is coming to church for the first time, maybe that's, I mean, I, I got two daughters myself, I'm looking around like, they make everything inappropriate nowadays. You gotta go out of your way to buy clothes that is righteous and good, right? But sometimes, I mean, maybe that's the outfit their family bought them. Maybe that's just how they were raised. Maybe this is their first time coming in. And you think the first thing you should say to this young lady is cover up when she's trying to come to church? Instead, you know what? Cover her with your arms. Love her. Embrace her. Build that, that unity, that love. Build the right to speak into her life. And then she'll want to listen to you. So I'm saying, I'm not saying it's appropriate to come half naked. We, we know that obviously, but at the same time, it's gotta be from a place of love, not just a place of correction. Listen, I always took correction wonderfully from someone I knew loved me. I may not have always liked it. There were plenty of times I was uncomfortable with it, but because I know you love me, I received that. You know what, man, that was hard to hear, but I know you care about me, and I know you want what's best for me. 
So I'm gonna hear that and I'm gonna receive that by God's grace. It's gotta come from a place of love. And if it doesn't come from a place of love, you probably shouldn't speak it. The second thing I understand when it comes to speaking truth is we gotta be able to speak the whole truth. So not just how we speak, but what we speak. There's this, this issue we have, if we're not careful, we can attempt to reach people with an edited gospel. One that we think is easier for people to accept, it's more appealing to their palate, it's something that's easy to follow so that they can say yes. If we're not careful, what we do is we say, God, your gospel is too difficult for people. Your standards are too high. The way you approach this, it's not gonna work, Jesus. So let me help you by messing with this so that people, I'm a, I'm a good salesman, Jesus, I got you. I'm gonna manipulate this in a way that's a little bit more appealing and then they're gonna wanna be a part of it. The problem with that is you sell somebody on something that's not true. And when they discover the truth, which inevitably, if they follow God and they read his word, they're gonna eventually discover the truth, they're gonna realize this isn't what I signed up for. I don't want this. And that's why more and more you're seeing generations after generation trying to manipulate the truth and distort God in a way that their views seem more applicable. That's why the Bible says in the last days, people will be drawn to what their itchy ears want to hear. And so what they do is they cut up the Bible in such a way that all that's left is the stuff that makes them feel good and is appealing to their senses. But no, Jesus has called us to speak the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so we have to be willing to be full on when we speak that truth, in love, but in truth as well. Jesus always gave the whole truth. He didn't promise an easy life to his believers, quite the opposite. He didn't say, if you accept me, I'll never let anything bad happen to you. All of the disciples, with the exception of John, were horribly martyred, right? They were killed for following Jesus crucified upside down, putting boiling oil, uh, struck to death with spears. I mean, they suffered. And Jesus never told them, hey, listen, be my disciples and I'll put a special bubble around you and nothing can touch you. Never said that. As a matter of fact, he would warn people, hey, listen, some people have places to lay their head, but not my followers. He's like, I'm homeless and you're gonna be homeless too. So I'm giving you a heads up before you become my disciple. Oh, you wanna be my disciple? First, you gotta crucify yourself, and then walk with me daily. That doesn't sound comfortable. But what I love about Jesus, he didn't bait and switch us. He didn't say, hey, listen, uh, when you say yes to me, all your problems are gonna go away and no new problems will ever come up and it'll be perfect and it'll be paradise and it'll be forever. No, no, he said, listen, there will come a time when that will be true, where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more pain. That'll come and you're guaranteed that spot. But while you're on this earth, you will have trouble. But fear not, I've already overcome the world. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, here's the reality, here's the truth. It's gonna be hard. Being a Christian is not easy. But you're not by yourself. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has conquered and defeated the world, walks with you and is in it with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going through death, but you are with me. Your rod and they staff, they comfort me. See, this is the beauty of the gospel. We should not water it down so that somebody feels like it's nicer for them. I find that insulting to the Lord. Listen, in John chapter six, 
Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. The Bible tells us that the next day, that same group of people find Jesus, but Jesus calls them out. Jesus speaks the truth. He says, the only reason you were even looking for me is because you want some more bread. You want another handout. Well, let me give you the truth. I am the bread of life. And anyone who wants to be my follower has to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they hear this and they go, are you, what are you talking about? Your truth doesn't make any sense. It's it's too hard to follow. Listen to what they say in, in John 6, verse 60 through 66. It says, on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When you sell someone on a half-truth gospel, you set them up for disappointment. Jesus was always upfront about the truth. And it's important that we are as well. So when someone asks you a hard question, speak truthfully, in love, but be honest. Don't just try to dance around it to appeal them. Don't water it down so that it makes more sense. And again, by that I mean adulterating it. There is a sense of, hey, let me say this simply so that you can grasp it, but I'm not saying it differently so that you can accept it. That's the difference. We are called to speak the truth, even when it makes somebody uncomfortable. Because the reality is, if I tell you, hey, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to turn from your old way, crucify yourself, walk with me daily, and yet there's no transformative aspect of your life, I can't tell you that you're genuinely saved. Because the person who has genuinely accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ, naturally change is going to happen. There's no way to avoid that. There is no way you can have a relationship with Jesus and not have a transformative effect on your life. And if there is no transformative effect on your life and you've been following Jesus forever, you might be following a different Jesus. That's the truth. That's what about God's word says. And so again, the loving thing to do is be honest with somebody. I liken it to, well, I'll get to that in a second. Let me get back to this point because I want to make sure I get everything on time. So we got to be willing to speak truth in love and we got to be willing to speak the whole truth. But here's the other thing. You got to understand how to speak truth at the right time. Okay, you got to be understanding how to speak truth at the right time. When we speak matters. There's an old saying, timing is everything. There has to be timing. There has to be tact in how you communicate the truth. You have to be, be careful in, in what you say or, and even more when you say it. Um, there's a lot of times, let me just to tell you the truth in case you ever think about this. Uh, for anyone who's ever preached, you'll understand this. Preaching is a very vulnerable act. 
right? Because you know you you prepped all week for this. You you've prayed, you studied, you put all this work in, and now you're you're, you're presented. I mean, listen, seventy percent of the population has a fear of public speaking, and so here's a person who's standing in front of all these people, saying they're communicating God's truth, delivering this message that they've worked on. It's extremely vulnerable, and we don't always get it hundred percent right. There are times where we say Abraham instead of Moses, or we fumble over our words, or there's Freudian slips. There's stuff that happens. And then you get off the platform and someone comes to critique your message. And usually that's your spouse. (laughs) And it's like, hey, not right now. Why? My adrenaline's pumping. I'm all, you know, just insecure, full of my, I got all these things going on. This isn't the best time. Even though what you're saying might be 100% true, I'm just in a very vulnerable state right now. Give me a day. That's why we got staff meeting on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, the staff can tell me how bad I was. That's fine. Just don't tell me right after service. Give me a minute to process, to decompress, to come down. And again, listen, that, that's all the same for you. Like, if my wife cooks a meal and it ain't great, I'm not going to say it right then and there. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. And then the next day, she'll be like, what'd you think? I was like, I, you know, I appreciate that you cooked. Thank you so much. I'm grateful that you did that. Now listen, I didn't lie. I am grateful that she cooked. I am appreciative. That one wasn't it. That one wasn't a hit. It's not a big deal. It happens to the best of us. But I'm not gonna say that to her right then, right there. She knows. (laughs) She eating the same thing we eating. Like, your spouse knows when the meal didn't hit. You get it. But in this moment, I don't want to hear it. Just shut up and eat it, all right? And if it's that bad, we'll throw it away. We'll order something. But, but there is timing that's so important to truth. Listen, Ecclesiastes says it like this. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then if you go down to verse 7, he gives a number of examples, a time for this, a time for that, a season of mourning, a season of laughter. He goes through all those things. Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. Some of us don't get the time. You don't understand, now's not the time to say that. Now's not the time to speak, now's the time to be silent. Let's say I'm at a funeral, people are mourning, and and the person comes up to me and says, Pastor, is my father in hell or in heaven? Now's not the time to have that existential theological conversation. What I would say, only God knows the truth. But here's what I know. You loved your father, and your father loved you. That we know. The rest of it is between the Lord and your father. But let me ask you this. Do you know where you're going to go? Do you have that understanding? See, I, I can still be honest. I can still be truthful without taking a stand in that opportunity to go, well, I don't think your father ever said yes to Jesus, so I'm pretty sure he's burning in ash. Now listen, that actually might be true. It might be accurate that that loved one never gave their life to the Lord and doesn't have the opportunity. Now, I'm not gonna sugarcoat that just to make somebody feel nice, but timing is important. That is not the time to have that conversation with that person. You know, that's not for me to do right there. 
That's, that's using wisdom. That's understanding what the Lord is trying to do in those moments. Instead, let me be that drawing of love and that connection. And later on, when we're having this conversation, again, as they grow, they'll understand, you know what? My father died without having ever known the Lord, but I don't want my mother to pass that way. I'm going to tell her about Jesus. Praise God. Now, that wouldn't have happened had I tried to hurt this person at the most vulnerable time of their life. So timing is important. When we say something matters just as much as how and what we say. And so we gotta learn to use tact. We gotta learn, you know what, now's not the time. There are moments where where somebody says something to me and I wanna tell them off. And I'm right, I know I'm right. But it's better to just shut up and go, oh, praise God, God bless you, brother. Am I a liar? No, it's just they're not even gonna receive it right now. So why waste my breath on this situation? Why get all flustered and, and annoyed and, and want to defend myself? Because really, it's selfish in nature. It's not out of love for this individual. It's out of covering the offense that I feel. Instead, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let the Lord speak. And I'm going to let the Lord deal with that one. And I'm just going to move on with my life. Some of us have an issue with that. Because we like having that last word. We want to, no, no, pastor, they got to know, pastor. They need to know what they did. It's all right. Let it go. How do you mean let it go? I mean let it go. You want to talk about it? Talk to the Lord about it. But now is not the time to speak. But what if they, God will take care of it. Trust in the Lord. Pastor, we're called to speak truth. Yeah, we are. Maybe somebody else will communicate that to them, but it's not your responsibility right now. Let the Lord speak. You be silent. Wisdom is understanding the difference of when to speak and when to be silent. And if we can nail that, we'll move further along. Worship team, if you can help me out. Last year, I mentioned this a while back, but it's getting close to that anniversary around this time last year, which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but it's been officially a year since I've taken over as lead pastor, which feels weird. Feels fast. But right around that time when I became the lead pastor, uh, my mother, uh, she had a UTI and uh, she's like a lot of moms, she didn't want to bother us with it and she couldn't get an appointment to the doctor. And I was like, no, no, you, you need to get an appointment. We need to make sure, you know, cranberry juice alone is not going to do this, mommy. We got to go. And at the time I had, and I still do, I have a relationship with the healthcare clinic. And so I was able to get an appointment the day of and they went in, they found some microscopic blood and they told her you need to get some further tests. And it turns out she ended up being diagnosed with kidney cancer. And that was a hard thing for us to hear. But the doctors were very kind, very loving. And they didn't sugarcoat anything. They told her exactly what the diagnosis was, what the treatment plan was gonna be. They gave her the full picture. But their timing was miraculous because they found it by God's grace at a very early stage in the cancer. And today, she is still 100% cancer-free. I say all that, thank you. I say all that because doctors are trained in how to speak truth. No one wants to hear you have cancer. And even worse, no one wants to be the one to tell you you have cancer. That's a hard thing to communicate. But the only thing worse than hearing you have cancer is never hearing you have it and then dying from it. 
I'd rather know and have a fighting chance than never know. Listen, there is a whole world that is dying of something worse than cancer because we all eventually will pass away. But spiritually, they are dead in their sins and you are the one, by God's grace, that has been called to give that diagnosis and the treatment plan. Now, just like doctors, we can't in and of ourselves cure your cancer, but we can tell you that you have it and we can walk you through the steps to hopefully eradicate it. And in spiritual sense, God has called us to communicate the truth that there is an entire world, which includes individuals, that are dying and going to hell because they've never accepted the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Our job is to communicate that. Now, they can decide what to do with that once they receive that information, but I can't decide whether or not to give them that information. In the same way, the doctor can't look at the diagnosis and say, man, this is really hard to tell. I really like that person. I'm just not going to tell them. <laughs> they don't get that right. They have an obligation. They made an oath that they would sit with that person in the worst moment of their life and say, here's what's going on. But here's what we can do. Proverbs 27, verse 5 through 6 says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Do you really love them? Are you really speaking truth and love? Then you will speak truth. They say truth hurts. I don't think that's true. I think we hurt people by failing to communicate truth and love by withholding parts of the truth, by having bad timing. The truth might be uncomfortable. It might be difficult to accept. It might even be upsetting. But here's something we have to remember. Speaking truth is love. It's not just speaking truth in love, but speaking truth is love. That's why we have to do it. That's our motivation behind speaking. Because we love these people. Because to those who don't know Jesus, if we love them, if you love your unsaved family members, if you love your unsaved children, if you love your unsaved neighbor, your unsaved coworkers, your unsaved bosses, if you love these people that you interact with day in and day out, you would communicate God's truth to them. Listen, for the unbelievers, 2 Timothy verse 2, 25 and 26 says this, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We have a responsibility to communicate gently in love, but communicate the whole truth that the enemy, the devil, has them trapped and captive, but that there's a way out through Jesus Christ. I remember hearing at one point, there was an atheist, a very famous atheist, who said, you know what? I get it from the Christian's perspective. This is what they genuinely believe. They genuinely believe that you are going to die and go to an eternal hell. What I don't get is if they genuinely believe that, why they don't talk about it more. That's what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. 
So my thing to you, church, is if you genuinely believe that you are saved by grace, if you genuinely believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and resurrected three days later so that we could have eternal life, if you genuinely believe in what you received, why aren't you communicating that with anybody else? Because evangelism is so much more than inviting your friend to church. It's bringing church to your friend. It's bringing the gospel to them. Some of them may never walk through those doors, but you walk through their doors every day of their lives. So communicate it. Well, what if they say no? That's on them now. My hands are clean once I share the truth. What they decide to do with the truth now is between them and God. And to the wanderer, to those who maybe have walked away from the Lord or or are teetering off of that, listen, James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. You want to be a hero? You want to save someone? from death, you want to cover generational sins, speak truth in love. Speak the whole truth. Speak what God has put in your heart to communicate to them. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand if you can. This morning I want to challenge you to speak truth. Is it scary? Sometimes. Is it difficult? Sometimes. And a lot of you might think, well, Pastor, I'm just not mature enough to, to communicate that. I, I, don't, I haven't read the whole Bible. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't know all the things that you know. That's okay. Share what you know. Don't worry about the things that you don't know. What do you know? Well, I was once like this, and now God has done this in my life. Amen. That's more than enough. That's more than enough. You know, when somebody sees a good movie, they may not know the director. They may not know the filmographer. They may not know all the ins and outs. They may not have read the script. You know what they know? What they've experienced. You know what they communicate? What they experience. They come back and say, that movie was amazing. Dude, no, seriously, you have to. I'll go with you and watch it. You gotta see this. Or they'll tell you, oh, that movie was trash. Don't even waste your money. And you know what? We take people's opinions on movies seriously. Why? Because we trust them and we trust their opinion. Well, if you walk the life that God has called you to walk, people will trust you and people will trust your opinion. And they may not go see that movie the next day, but when they realize they need to, guess who they're going to call to go with them? And in the same way, I've had people that have called me 10, 15 years after. And they said something like, Joey, are you still a Christian? I'm like, yeah, kind (laughs) of. Joey, can I go to your church? Yeah, I've waited 15 years for you to say that. But my job is only to speak truth. We just scatter the seeds. We don't determine where they fall. So church, I want to pray for the boldness of the Holy Spirit to empower you to speak truth. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we ask you in this moment to embolden your people, God. Father God, I I ask you in this moment 
that you would open our eyes to divine opportunities that you give us every day. Divine opportunities to speak your truth. God, I pray that you open our eyes to accurate timing, God, when it's just the right time and it's just the right moment that we not let that moment pass because of insecurity, because of fear, because of doubt. But Father God, I just pray we step into that moment and we speak truth, Almighty God. And Lord, I pray that when we speak it, that it'll be seasoned with salt, God, that it'll have love at the core and the embrace as our great motivator behind why we speak that truth, Lord. And Father, I pray that you give us the courage to speak the whole truth, Father, to not manipulate your word in order to appease a generation, but to communicate it in such a way that that love permeates even through the most difficult aspects of your word. Father, help us to do what you've called us to do. You could have communicated your gospel any number of ways, but you have chosen your disciples to be your ambassadors to a fallen and broken world. So Father, rather than complain about where this world is, about how messed up this city is, about how jacked up and what it's not like it used to be, instead of complaining, let us step up and be part of that solution, God. You have given us the power of life and death in our tongue. Oh, Lord, that we might speak life. Speak life to a dead generation, to a dead society that is yearning to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, empower us here and now to do what only you can do through us. We pray this, Lord, and we thank you for it. We say this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Now listen to me, church. I genuinely believe when you walk out those doors between now and next week, that God is gonna give you a divine opportunity. What is that? That's just an open door where it's undeniable. God's given me a window to speak. It might be a word of encouragement. It may not be the full gospel, but it might be a word of encouragement. It might be a compliment. It it might just be an invitation. But please, don't worry about what they might say. Worry about you saying it. Communicate the truth in love, in wholeness, and in the right time, and watch as God moves through that opportunity. And I guarantee you, you will reap the benefits that God has as we communicate truth to a world that's desperate to hear it. Amen? God bless you, church. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Young adults, head down.